It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. 2016年到2016年之間,中美之間各種問題都能搞得定,因為咱們上邊有人。啊,就是我們在美國的全市核心圈啊,我們有我們的老朋友。What was that Chinese professor saying and what were those students laughing at? Well, he was saying, why between 1992 and 2016 did China and the US used to be able to settle all kinds of issues? It's because we have people at the top. At the top of America's core inner circle of power and influence, we have our old friends. And they all laughed. And we played that for you when it uh, came out. And now it has more meaning because maybe one of their friends at the top was Chief of Staff um, Mark Milley, who now we know, uh, according to the book, at least, called his Chinese counterpart and assured China we would not attack them. And if there was going to be an attack, we would warn them. He uh, ordered uh, generals and military leaders not to listen to President Trump, who was the commander-in-chief at the time. He told them to stand down. We know now that there were uh, – Mark Milley's not denying – uh, that he called. In fact, they did it by conference call. There were several military leaders in the room, and several of them, by, uh, as a matter of fact now, say they will testify against him. There's a lot to say about what's happening with General Mark Milley, uh, and we'll hopefully get to more of those details, but I wanted to tell you, I think that I remembered that clip yesterday, and uh, when they laughed about how they have people in the highest places, and it made me think of General Mark Milley, it's amazing. And that brings us back to what in the world do we do about where we are? And one of the things, one of the only things we can do under the Constitution right now is pay a lot of attention to what's happening to American elections. Uh, our good friend Ken Cuccinelli joins us this morning. He's the former Attorney General of Virginia, the former acting chair of the Customs and Border Patrol, Patrol under President Trump, and the current chair of the Election Integrity Project. Uh, Ken, thanks for joining us as usual. We appreciate it so much. My pleasure. Good to be with you. Okay, so Ken, we've been talking for the last several months about the horrendous, you know, uh, voter bill, whatever form it takes, uh, that the Democrats want to pass. It's their, it's their. I can't even use that word. It's, it's their dream bill, and they started with this "For the People" act, and uh, that was going. You know, it's for the so people. Called, they always, right. Yeah. Okay, so now they're moving to the Freedom to Vote Act. I'm going to be quiet and just have you tell us, where is this? Because really, I looked on Fox this morning. There's nothing on Fox. I'm not hearing hardly anything about this, and yet this has potential to completely seal our doom. So what are they doing in Congress right now in regard to these bills? Well, that's certainly the intent of the radical left, and they're the driver behind this thing. Um, So the Democrats, you know, to the extent you see this discussed, Sandy, it's discussed as a compromise bill. But understand, it's a compromise between Democrats. So between radical leftists, basically, and Joe Manchin, Senator Joe Manchin, 
who clearly has to a certain extent rolled over because he had certain requirements at the end of June, the last time they tried this and the left got very mad at him for his requirements, things like allowing voter ID. Well, this bill eliminates photo ID. I want to be very specific, not voter ID. So in, in name, you know, he has kept some voter ID, but for absentee ballots, it's all gone. No ID, no witness signatures, no notary requirements, nothing. So no security whatsoever for the most fraud-prone type of voting. That's according to Jimmy Carter, not Ken Cuccinelli. <laughs> the most fraud-prone type of voting is the mail-in voting, which they want to explode because it's so easy to cheat and so hard to prove. Um, and they are doing that in this bill. They also... A mandate that all states have 15 days of early voting. And, and most people listening to you and me, Sandy, probably if they got called by a pollster would say they like early voting. But I'm here to tell you early voting is a disaster. It is a disaster because you can't keep chain of custody of ballots confidently or at least not easily. You have a lack of transparency of the election that is a whole lot easier to maintain when you, everybody votes on election day. Um, and they require drop boxes. So as if that weren't reducing security enough, they start mandating these drop boxes, which we saw so many problems with in the last election. Um, they also uh, get severely in the way of states doing list maintenance. So, you know, stripping dead people off your voter rolls, for instance, um, people who've moved out of state or moved elsewhere in the state, all those kinds of things that most states are frankly behind in and bad at already. And a lot of them have been sort of uh, called on the carpet on this in the last eight or nine months because 2021 has seen a better coordination of the conservative movement on an issue, election integrity, than I have ever seen before. All groups are in on it. My organization, the Election Transparency Initiative, is a joint project of the Susan B. Anthony List, which I know you're very familiar with as the most successful uh, pro-life organization out there, and the American Principles Project, a sister organization, if you will, pro-family, uh, conservative organization. Um, and, and they created the joint project of the Election Transparency Initiative because they know they're winning on their issues. We're, we're making headway on life with Americans. We're making headway against things like trans, so-called transgender athletes and things that American Principles Project is fighting over. But we can't make that progress <clears throat> unless we have a free and fair battlefield to fight on. And that's what we call elections. And uh, so they have a, a keen interest. And all these other organizations have understood the same thing. So all these different groups have weighed into this issue and are coordinating as best they can within the law um, to, uh, to, to fight this. And this is the biggest threat ever is the bill that the Democrats are bringing forward now. And perhaps most critical of all, Sandy, is this is the bill they intend to have the filibuster fight over. This is, this is where they're going to make a run at getting rid of the filibuster is over this bill. You know, I do think you dropped this in. That's how big a deal they think it is. Oh, well, we know. But it's the whole ball game. 
That is what we said, you know, when they talked, they first introduced the For the People Act, <laughs> the For the People Act. What a crock, worse than the crock. Um, it's such a lie because they know they can take it all. We will never get our country back at all if we allow these bills to pass. And so they're throwing everything in. Uh, you know, Joe Manchin has made noises like he's, uh, you know, uh, really concerned about how the country's going. But this, what you're saying, this this is kind of a, his version that he offered uh, when the For the People Act was being discussed. Uh, and it is even in some ways worse. And also on the filibuster, he's made, you know, he's beat his chest about how he's, you know, doesn't want to do away with the filibuster. And by the way, that means, for those of you who may not remember, it means that they have to get in the Senate, they have to get 60 people to vote in order to vote on a measure. So it's kind of a stopgap. Before they actually vote for the thing, they have to vote. Uh, 60 people have to and say, it's been yeah, there since the 1840s. This is not yeah. some new gimmick. This yeah. is part of how the Senate separates itself. The, separate, the Senate is different than the House. It represents states, um, whereas the House represents you know, a, a set number in the population. And um, while that was whittled down substantially with the 17th Amendment that moved picking senators from legislatures to direct election. The fact of the matter is they still represent states. And um, and that, that's a big difference. And then the other big difference is that they have to get something beyond the majority, just like you said, Sandy, 60 votes out of 100, to move a, a law forward. And um, they haven't been able to get any Republican support for any of these things because they're so radical. And, and and let's not kid ourselves, it has to be pretty radical to not be able to get certain Republican yeah. support. Well, so so you know that they're going to go for the filibuster or to do away with it. That's what they want to do. Right. And Joe Manchin is, you know, both, you know, made sounds and so is Kristen Sinema like they, you know, don't want they, or they don't want to do that because it's a whatever their reasons are, fill in the blank. I just don't trust them. I don't trust either of them, Ken. Do you? Yeah, it's, um, well, we're in a position where um, our fate is in their hands. And, um, you know, that's a very uncomfortable place to be. And our fate is in their hands because we lost two Georgia Senate seats we should have won. And, um, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. There were obviously, (laughs) there were problems in 2020 elections uh, would be an understatement, but the fact of the matter is um, uh, that people in Georgia, Republicans, were convinced their vote didn't matter to a degree they stayed home, and it was more than enough to cover the margin. If those people had gone and voted, we'd have a 52-48 Republican Senate, not a 50-50 Democrat-controlled Senate. And uh, so, you know, Yes, we have to work to clean up elections, but we also have to flip and show up to vote. And if people want to know what they can do to clean up elections in their state, the single best thing you can do, folks, is go be an election official. the, The titles are different in different places. It's clerks in some places in West Virginia. It's registrars in Virginia. You know, what your state calls it may be a little different, but I guarantee you it's local. It's run by your town, county, city, wherever you may live. And you can go be on the inside. I'm not talking about a campaign worker. I'm talking about being the one running the election, counting the votes, and so forth. 
We need our people to go do that. We are out just using Virginia, which I know best for obvious reasons. We're outnumbered by Democrats in those positions like two to one. And you know whose fault that is? That's our fault. There's nothing stopping our people from taking those positions. The Democrats have been doing it for years. We need to actually get in there. And everybody listening needs to take this very seriously. You need to go sign up to become an election officer before your next election and do it for years and years and years to come. It's the best thing you can personally do to secure our elections. Can I need to interject also, you're not, we are not urging people to be like poll watchers where you go in and volunteer and no. stand around. We're asking people to go in and be hired, go through the process. Uh, it's a paid position. Most of these are. And uh, be, yep. have an official position. Yeah, let yeah, me so- be clear. You are going to work for the government. <laughs> oh, good. That's who you're going to work for. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Um, but they, this is a, a temporary role that they sweep citizens into because it takes so many people to execute an election. It's one of the reasons uh, that I am not supportive of early voting. It's because it takes so many people to run an election just that's centered around election day. When you advance it forward, like we have in Virginia, 45 days, voting in the governor's race starts tomorrow in Virginia, um, then it becomes nearly impossible to have the kind of numbers of people who are your allies to be guaranteed to be in the room at all times. And that's the greatest single thing you can do to to beat cheating, because cheaters won't cheat if non-cheaters are watching. Yep. They one of the things they don't the, want to get one, caught, one and thing, uh, even in a lousy system, that works. One other thing I want to add uh, that I heard some discussion about this yesterday. The Republican Party, as I understand it, you know they run commercials, and certainly during election year, you see lots of those commercials. They ask for millions of dollars, and they get millions of dollars. Uh, but their main function, they should be doing voter registration. I understand they have not done any of it in 11 years. And that's one of the reasons that uh, conservatives are not doing well in these elections, because the Republican Party squandered the money. So the, I'm, this is me talking. I'm suggesting you don't give to the Republican Party. You give to effort like, efforts like Ken. You give to candidates directly. You, uh, but you give to other projects that you can trust locally. But forget the Republican Party for right until they prove themselves worthy, and they haven't done that in a long time. And uh, Ken, your organization, did I get the middle name? Is it... Is it uh, what tell me exactly because I think I might have gotten election, one word wrong. It, yeah, it's the Election Transparency Initiative. We can be found at electiontransparency.org. Okay. And um and I'm and I'm on I fight the battle on Twitter at Ken Cuccinelli, um, you know, which is just spelled like it sounds. Oh. Ah, ha, ha. Um <laughs> and but, I'd say uh, it's but, not the only <laughs> every battle you're in, you're effective, Ken. I always say that about you, and it's very true. And I we are running out of time. But say a word about the uh, early voting in Virginia, uh, the race that's coming up in Virginia. There are only two states, I think, that have midterms starting on this this side of the the, the calendar. Yeah, the so, odd the odd year races with statewide elections this year are New Jersey and Virginia. Only Virginia is competitive. The polling shows it's neck and neck. And in Virginia, the history is that the Republicans are. Um, you can add five points to the Republican in polling. Um, that is a, that hold, it held true when I was running, it held true after I was running. Um, so Glenn Youngkin is the candidate at the top of the ticket. There's also a very good candidates 
running for lieutenant governor. Winsome Sears is a is a rock solid conservative. Um, Jason Miares is running for attorney general and looking like he's in a position to unseat the incumbent Democrat attorney general who followed me into the office, who has been such a political hack for the left. Um, that'd be a big win for sure. And uh, he's really got him on the ropes. Um, but uh, but everybody needs to show up, turn out, um, frankly, and donate. The donating will continue. But this election is uh, is looking very promising. They even could win the House of Delegates back oh, wow. uh, as well. So there's oh, a lot wow. there's a lot of opportunity in Virginia this year. All right, one last question, then I have to let you go, and that is: uh, Has Virginia taken steps to make sure their election is fair? Uh, the state has not, but this coalition in Virginia has been spectacularly active outside the parties and the campaigns. There's been training going on all over the state for more election officers. We're signing up more people as election officials, just like you and I were just talking, Sandy, than we ever have before. And for the first time, the party is actually putting resources, really serious resources, into election day operations that includes election integrity. Okay. Electiontransparencyinitiative.org. Electiontransparencyinitiative.org. Go there and find out more. Uh, Just electiontransparency.org. Just (laughs) electiontransparency.org. All right. Thank you. And we'll put that on our Facebook page so that that gets right. Electiontransparency.org. And at Ken Cuccinelli is his uh, Twitter handle. Ken, great to talk to you. Thank you so much. And I'll see you soon. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The Ministry of Preborn is the ultimate life support, helping moms in crisis choose life. I definitely would have gone down the wrong road and probably would not have given my son life if they had not been there to support me. From giving me the ultrasound to throwing a baby shower, and they went out and they got churches to cover my bills. They helped me through so much. It was just incredible. Preborn centers are the ultimate life support for moms in crisis across America, providing hope, love, and free ultrasounds. He's 10 and he's my little angel. Preborn clinics are the largest providers of free ultrasounds in the United States. Would you join with Preborn in rescuing babies? One ultrasound is just $28, or five ultrasounds are $140. All gifts are tax deductible. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby or go to preborn.com. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Dat Tran, Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary for the United States Department of Veterans Affairs. His office works with veterans and their families in areas such as disability compensation, job training, education assistance, home loans, and life insurance. Galatians 6.2 reminds us of the importance of helping others, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Right now with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Dat Tran as he works on behalf of our nation's veterans. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. 
This fall, Liberty University is celebrating 50 years of training champions for Christ. Since 1971, Liberty has been training Christ-centered men and women with the values, knowledge, and skills essential for impacting the world, a vision that continues today. The story of Liberty University is one of unwavering faith, and we invite you to be part of the next chapter. With more than 700 programs online and on campus, Liberty can help you turn your vision into a future you can be proud of. Visit liberty.edu to learn more. Again, that's liberty.edu. Resign or go to jail? That's the choice Mayor Craig Schubert gave to the school board in Hudson, Ohio. The mayor speaking for many in the town, angry over a racy lesson that was provided to high school students. The kids were asked to write a sex scene that they would not show to their mothers. Mayor Schubert called the assignments child pornography. The school board said the lesson was indeed inappropriate, and they apologized to moms and dads. But Mayor Schubert was not satisfied. He told board members that after consulting with a judge, the lessons did amount to criminal behavior. And then he threw down the gauntlet, either resign or face criminal charges by the end of the month. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how you take back your local public school system. Well done, Mr. Mayor. By the way, my new book, available right now at your favorite bookstore or online at toddstarns.com. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. 以前，一九九二年到二零一六年之间，中美之间各种问题都能搞得定，因为咱们上边有人。啊，就是我们在美国的全市核心圈啊。Uh, we truncated that, but that's a Chinese professor, and he's saying, "Why between 1992 and, 19, and 2016 did China and the U.S. used to be able to settle all kinds of issues? It's because we have people at the top, at the top of America's core inner circle of power and influence. We have our old friends, <laughs> yeah, and one of them evidently was、uh, General Milley." In fact, I didn't ask for this clip, you guys, but let's play General Milley. This is back in 2015. He's describing. I wish Gordon Chang were with us to respond to this one, but this is General Milley,、uh, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, describing China because he should know, right? This is clip four.、Uh, China is not an enemy,、uh, and I think that's important for people to clearly understand.、Uh, China is a rising power. We're seeing a. A significant increase in in、uh, Chinese military、uh, capabilities over the last ten、uh, to twenty years,、uh, and、uh, they are going to develop themselves and are developing themselves、uh, into a great power. That is not to say, however, that they are an enemy. No, that's not to say they're they're not our enemy. Just I want to make sure you know they're our great friend, China. They're not a threat. This is、uh, that's just the chairman of the joint. It reminds me when I was sitting next to a high-ranking FBI official on a plane several years ago,、uh, and we just started chatting, and we started chatting about Islam and Takia and other things, and he had no clue. He had no clue about the things I was talking about, and I thought to myself, "This is a problem." A man in a high position in the FBI who does not understand the teachings of Islam—what I know, I knew more than he knew. So, how can the chairman of the Joint Chiefs be so stupid about China? And yet, he has been, or willful—I don't know. They say they have friends at the top. Was he a friend? I don't know. But now we know, according to this book, and he's not denying it. By the way, 
Uh, he had a pre- he had a sort of a joint meeting of these military uh, other military leaders under him, and they did it by video, as a matter of fact, with this his Chinese counterpart, assuring them that um, America was not going to attack and that wouldn't they basically won't let Trump do that, and that if uh, there's going to be an attack, that General Milley will call the Chinese and let them know, wink, wink, you know. And he also instructed. Uh, people in the other part of the command uh, to uh, to not to ignore Trump's orders. The commander in chief. This is really, if it's true, and it must be true, or he'd be denying it. And it must be true because Jack Posebiak reports that there are uh, several Pentagon officers who were present at that secret meeting and are willing to testify against him under oath. It is shocking. It's angering. I saw. Um, I'm sorry. Former Secretary of State under President Trump, who I know so well, can't think of his name in this moment. But I tell you, I saw him interviewed, and I just—you could just see this was like a a bridge too far. It's like a knife in his heart. He didn't say that, but from the look on his face, talk about betrayal! Talk about betrayal! We told you that President Trump was being betrayed. We knew this. I talked about it all the time, and there were names that I knew about. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman was one of them. By the way, Vindman's even criticizing uh, uh, Milley on this. Uh, but we had no idea how bad it really was. We knew CIA Jenna Haspel was a terrible choice. We knew that she hated him, uh, and so she was part of this too. But at the highest levels, they were undermining President Trump as the commander-in-chief, and really uh, that's not the point because that sounds political. Let's just say, imagine any administration, the chief uh, of, the, of the, joint, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff ignoring the president and going to our enemies and telling them that they he would warn them if the president, his boss, uh, the commander-in-chief, was going to attack them. Can you imagine? And uh, we we're learning that the chairman of the Joint Chiefs is an advisory position, has no control. It's the Secretary of Defense uh, who has the power to make uh, decisions about how we approach, how, what we actually do. Uh, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs is just an advisor. That's it. So uh, that's all I have time to say about this, but I'm... Uh, it just helps you understand why we are in the position that we're in and why President Trump just, it's amazing, honestly, that he got anything accomplished. It's amazing he got anything done because I can tell you in all the agencies, they were stonewalling him or ignoring him just like this. And meanwhile, the senators, led by Mitch McConnell, were slow-walking all of President Trump's nominations. Ken Cuccinelli was one of them. Some of those positions, many of those positions never got filled, uh, and, and some of them went through months and months and months of, um, it was months and months and months. Some of them had to go on to other jobs. They were good men, good women who were ready to serve. They were people who supported this country and loved the Constitution, and the Senate, under Mitch McConnell, slow-walked them. I, I'm, I Ask me why I'm disgusted. I got an email from one of you. I don't have it in front of me. At, uh, talking about how I need to, I don't ever criticize the Republicans. <laughs> I'm thinking, you must not have listened to me much. I have been criticizing the Republicans since I was on the radio in Chicago. Oh, I would just say I supported the Democratic candidate for governor in Illinois, and that caused quite a dust up. But he was a much better candidate than the George. George, 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 who won and ended up in prison. Yeah, so, um, I, I, yeah, no, I'm not partisan. I am a Republican. Most of the people I support are Republicans. But it has to be a person that has the right positions on the issues, is a person of integrity, uh, and uh, a, 
you know, so it's not about the party. It really isn't. So anyway, I just had to laugh about that. So poor Mitch McConnell has been beaten to death by me for years, and in person, too, by the way. So um, I'm, I just want to tell you where I stand on that. Okay, so um, I want to change the subject because how can we, you know, how could we possibly have a show or a conversation with anyone without talking about COVID? My husband and I were talking about that. We're sick of it, sick of talking about it, sick of living it, thinking about it, but they won't let us think of anything else, hardly, because they're determined uh, to rule our lives with this. Um, uh, I want to re- give you a couple of news stories. Uh, Pfizer is, now there's a big meeting of the FDA coming up, and they're going to decide about this booster shot. So Pfizer is getting out in front, um, and they're telling us that the, uh, let's see, the COVID-19 vaccine efficacy, in other words, its effectiveness, drops over time. Uh, and Pfizer says the booster uh, are effective at dealing with these new virus vari- variants. Uh, I'll give they can I let them give their own reasons for that, but they tell us that the evidence shows the booster doses are great and they need to be given. And uh, but this, there's a study published by the Lancet on Monday, and I have told you this before, but two senior FDA vaccine reviewers who are expected to leave the agency soon, and more than a dozen top researchers argued that booster shots aren't needed for the general population. They argued that potential side effects from the extra doses could outweigh the benefits, arguing that such a phenomenon would actually increase vaccine hesitance. There's a reason why these two senior FDA vaccine uh, vaccine members of the of the uh, FDA ha- are resigning. There's a reason they're resigning. They are disagreeing with what they're saying. They're, uh, that took a lot of character because um, I don't know all the details of it, but something's not right. Could we just say we know something's not right? So the FDA is going to have this big meeting and decide if now we're going to all be consigned to boosters. Uh, so the CDC, uh, according to this article I'm reading by Rick Rich Welsh, uh, printed on their website, this is exactly what they say. Um, the largest public health threat as of right now is fully, no, they don't, this is his words, I'm sure they don't say this, but this is the conclusion. The largest public health threat as of right now is fully vaccinated people whom the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention now warns uh, are uh, I know they don't say this. These are his words. The CDC would not use these words. Uh, but um, the headline by Yahoo News, which is not a conservative publication, said CDC says fully vaccinated people spread the Delta variant and should wear masks. This new science is worrisome. All right, so um, the problem is that vaccinated people now, you know, are getting COVID, and many of them are becoming sick and having the same reactions is they never had the vaccination and some of them are dying you think that makes me happy if you even go there don't go there i'm in this business of trying to give people the truth there's no victory when people are harmed and people are being harmed I'll, I'll, people are being so harmed i i'll just give you an example we'll skip to this the, there was an ncaa athlete uh this is uh, john stokes he was a student, where is he, student at Tennessee, Tennessee State, I think. Yep. He was getting ready to play, uh, preparing for a senior season, playing Division I NCAA, oh, it's golf, sorry, at Tennessee State University. But on September the 6th, he was, he's 21, he was hospitalized with heart complications. He has made a recording of what he's experiencing from his hospital bed, and I think we should listen to it. This is John Stokes, age 21 getting ready to finish uh, the golf tournament at Tennessee State University, and now he's come down. He's hospitalized with heart 
complications. Here he is. I am in the hospital right now with heart complications from the COVID-19 vaccine. And I want to inform as many people as I can about the risks from taking the vaccine that I wish someone would have told me. So I am a division one student athlete with no prior health issues. And I got the second COVID shot Tuesday. And within four days, I have been diagnosed with myocarditis and was told that I probably won't be able to play my senior season now. It is a side effect from the COVID vaccine and it's really not being reported or addressed and it is a serious issue that we should all be informed about before making this decision. It isn't right for people to be forced to take the vaccine because there are actual side effects like this that could happen to you and the NCAA should not mandate student athletes to get the vaccine because of what could happen to so many fellow student athletes. Um, health issues, which has happened to me. Everyone should be informed of the side effects and no one should be forced to take something that could cause what has happened to me. And no one knows the long-term effects of what's um, possibly going to happen from this. And um, it's kind of uncharted territories because everyone else with the same heart issues from the vaccine as me, we're all being tracked and monitored. We're basically like test subjects from the vaccine. So it's a very serious issue that really needs to uh, be spread. And I've spoken with some other uh, student athletes that have also had to have either heart surgery or um, have had heart issues from this. And um, it's, it's very scary stuff. And a lot of people in our age group apparently are at higher risk for heart issues from the vaccine and um, it really does need to be um, talked about. All right, so um, I want to come back and make comments about that. Let me just say that uh, it's, it, according to the st statistics, young people are, they have like, a, there are several different stats, but they have such a low chance of dying from the COVID, from COVID, it, it hardly affects them. Some are affected, but very few. A lot of them, most of them have my, uh, you know, comorbidities. And yet we know that, we don't know what the numbers are because the reporting is so uh, unreliable. But we know that lots of young men, this is their story. And now they're getting ready to mandate the vaccine for the military. I just, I, this is just beyond comprehension. It is so wicked. It really is. You should have a choice. Take the chance of the, taking the vaccine. Take the chance of not taking it. But it should be your choice. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Hi, this is Dan Celia from Financial Issues. We as God's people need to be good stewards of all that he has given us. That is so important and that's what drives me each day as I break down the latest financial numbers and talk to listeners across the country about their use of the money that God has entrusted to them. Join me each morning from 8 to 10 Central and Saturday mornings at 10 o'clock Central Time for Financial Issues right here on American Family Radio. Friendships is looking for full-time volunteer men and women who are serious about serving God, investing time in rewarding work, and helping people in need around the world. There is no charge to serve. Room and board are provided. A willing heart and a desire to work as part of a team are the primary skills required. 
Check out the opportunities at friendships.org or email portmercy at friendships.org. That's portmercy at friendships.org. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. One word has proven to be debilitating in our society, the D word, discrimination. What we fail to realize is discrimination is not automatically a dirty concept. We discriminate against thieves and murderers when we send them to prison. We discriminate against sexual predators by keeping them away from children. And yes, we rightly discriminate against men when we keep them out of women's restrooms. According to Psalm 1, we have to discriminate against the counsel of the wicked in order to be blessed. Good thing God isn't debilitated by the D word. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. May I tell you about 17-year-old Esther in Africa? Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. Esther is only 17. She's part of the famous Maasai tribe in Kenya. It's a country that I visited not too long ago. Girls like Esther, they're subjected to Maasai traditions that are not taught in the Bible, including female circumcision and polygamy where a man has many wives and some younger than Esther are forced into arranged marriages against their will. Now, having endured this mistreatment, Esther lived with bitter unforgiveness until a Bible League volunteer introduced her to the hope of the gospel and now she's led dozens of teen girls and young adult women to Jesus and she's praying for Bibles so they can grow in their walk with Him. And that's exactly why Bible League is inviting you to send God's Word to Bibleless believers around the globe at only $5 a Bible. $100 sends 20 Bibles and Friends of Bible League will match every single gift. Call 800-YES-WORD 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D 800-YES-WORD or click sendbiblesnow.org sendbiblesnow.org org. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Evidently, the nation's top military officer has indeed betrayed our country. Through a spokesman yesterday, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff Mark Milley confirmed that he had conversations last October and in January with his Chinese counterpart aimed at, quote, avoiding unintended consequences or conflict, unquote. That characterization appears to be an effort to spin Milley's reported promise to warn the People's Liberation Army if we were going to attack China. Evidently, the general has also extracted from his senior subordinates what he saw as an oath to him that could conflict with their oaths to support and defend the Constitution. Such outrages demand the JCS chairman's resignation and or his court-martialing. Unfortunately, President Biden declared yesterday that he had, quote, great confidence in General Milley, quote, we can have none in either man or other U.S. officials like them who favor China's rise. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at sandy at AFR.net. That's sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. get back to that young man who was who just left his own story about being hospitalized with myocarditis so sad 21 years old getting ready to play the final game of his tournament and um this is my i was thinking about actually in a meeting yesterday and we were brainstorming and this is really just a form a beginning thought a budding thought but i actually want to share it with you now because some of you are in such 
a quandary about your work, I, I, I have a suggestion. This is, a, again, an embryonic thought, but I think it could be very powerful if someone, uh, someone could take it. It's possible, it seems to me, very possible, that if you are being threatened by your employer with termination, that if you compile, it doesn't have to be reams, but if you compile statistics about the uh, damage that has been reported, now I'm sure it's underreported, but still there's been plenty reported on the VARS, V-A-E-R-S, that's the uh, reporting mechanism of the CDC. There are reports of how many people have died. There's reports of uh, these kinds of incidences like myocarditis. You could use this article. In fact, we'll put this on our Facebook page. Uh, you could, uh, and and then any other, uh, like blood clots, there's there's so many things. If you dig a little bit, you can find it. I can't tell you, I can't rattle it off in this moment. But find just evidence of different things and uh, present it to your employer in writing and tell them if uh, you will take the vaccination if they will agree to take liability for your life and support your family and your, you know, like in a regular lawsuit, you will take on the support, you will bear total, complete responsibility for if any of these things happen to me. Um, and that's, the, that's the principle. And I'm sure that's not very eloquent, but I think if you could, you know, find an attorney that would represent you, that would be a powerful way to make them take pause because that will scare their legal, uh, their legal uh, counsel. That will scare them. You could bankrupt a company. Uh, by because how can they force you to do that without taking liability? I think this kid uh, should sue. You know what is the NCAA? What is it that? Yeah, NCAA is the one who's forcing him to get that vaccine. Uh, there should be there could probably be a class lawsuit now uh, for young young men being harmed uh, by this vaccine. But I wouldn't wait for that. You could do it individually. Just sue them. Say, but you have to give the warning up front. You have to say to them. The, this is what we're seeing. These are the reports. And you can't give them, you have to make sure that these are uh, numbers that they can trust, reliable, what they consider reliable sources. Uh, and then tell them, you know, put them on notice. These are how many people have died. These are, the, these are the side effects that are being reported officially. And if any of these ha- things happen to me, uh, you are liable for this. You, you, st- or you can even say, I'm not willing to take the shot. You could just say, uh, you just just know that if you force me to do this, then then you will be legally responsible. I'm warning you now. You've had warning. So um, I don't think you can do it on your own. You probably have to have some advice, legal advice, not just from me. But that's the concept that I wanted to present. And I want to remind you that uh, there are a couple of, because many of you are, calling, are talking to me, sent me email about employment problems. And um, I've, I've said before, but I want to repeat this. There are a couple of... Um, organizations that have even forms and suggestions on their website that would be uh, liberty is it L, it's lc.org that's our friend Matt Staver that's libertycouncil.org Lib- Matt's doing great work with this and so is the Alliance Defending Freedom and that's adflegal.org and uh, for military first liberty dot I guess it's dot org uh, first liberty dot org so um I just hope just write that down. Remember, remember, I suggested and please I'm pleading with you to bring pencil and paper when you listen to the show because we cannot be confident that the things that we put on Facebook or follow up can be you can retrieve them. And so in fact, as a matter of fact, Adam, please put those links to those 
uh, legal defense places uh, uh, so people can access. And again, they have this good information on their websites for how to handle employers. And if you need something beyond that, and you need an attorney, then they have that, of course, too. And uh, I'm so sorry, my allergies. I want to tell you that um, I think I mentioned this, but if I didn't, I should. You know these monoclonal antibodies are having a great effect on people. If you uh, I get this treatment within the first 10 days. It's just amazing. I've heard personally from several people that have benefited from this and recovered. Um, but guess what? Joe Biden's Health and Human Services is uh, all about stopping this. So they have uh, been drying up the supply of it and deciding who, which uh, states are going to get it and which ones are not. Who do you think is going to be first on the list of not getting it? Well, me thinks it might be Florida, since Ron DeSantis has set these stations around the state of Florida to treat people. So that's how insidious. What possible reason, what possible reason could you give for stopping effective treatment? What possible reason other than something dark and sinister? I, so, all right. I want to share with you something. Um, This is not one of your email. I just think I got to get to this. Because it's such a powerful article, I can't read it all, but it is published in PJ Media. We will put this on our Facebook page, and I hope you can get it. But if you can't, go to right to PJ Media. Go right to PJ Media and look for Reason to Fear a Vaccine Mandate. Reason to Fear a Vaccine Mandate. I'll read the first part of it. One does not wish to join the pandemic of viral fear whipped up by our political leaders, collusive medical experts, and the grossly irresponsible and programmatically ignorant media conglomerate. And yet, there is good reason to fear being inscribed in the category of the unvaccinated. The new Jews, at risk of disenfranchisement and worse, in the increasingly fascist temper of the times. From my perspective, this is not a frivolous analogy. Growing up Jewish in a small town in the north of Quebec, under the sway of an ultramontane clergy, I know what it's like to be publicly mocked, prohibited as an undesirable from entering certain local establishments, and fighting my way out of ambushes when walking to school. And then he goes he t- goes more description, but he says, Now, as a member of the tribe of the unvaccinated, I sense once again that primal fear of exclusion and imminent violence. As I wrote in an article earlier for PJ Media, my wife and I are under virtual house arrest, prevented from crossing our provincial borders, forbidden to attend a wide range of public activities and venues, including movie theaters, plays, sporting events, gyms, swimming pools, nightclubs, concerts, conferences, and it goes on and on. I am back in the Quebec of my youth. We are still permitted to walk abroad and to visit the supermarket, but how long these sparse exemptions will last is an open question. And then he goes on... um, This is, he quotes uh, Charles Eisenstein, who says, there can be little doubt that some kind of totalitarian program is well underway. Shrewdly conscripting a public that wishes above everything to belong to a persuasive, pervasive consensus while consigning a portion of the population to a social leprosarium. When corrupt forces hijack group norms, values, rituals, and taboos through propaganda and the control of information, these good folks can become instruments of totalitarian control. There's so much more good stuff in that. I mean, warning stuff, bad stuff. Uh, reason to fear a vaccine mandate, and uh, look look for it at PJ Media. All right, we'll put it on our Facebook. It'll last two seconds. Uh, so I want to go now to your uh, some of your email. Uh, this is uh, as I'm going to quickly move through some of you who have employment concerns. My name is Kim. I was 
I'm not even going to give the specifics here, Kim. Uh, she just to say she was housekeeping director. I think in a uh, re- senior residence. I think. <clears throat> she says my daughter, who is a nursing assistant, said they are mandating the vaccine because the federal government is threatening no funding since many of these nursing homes participate with Medicare and Medicaid. This is heinous and total government control. I know for a fact that some of the residents, while I was still working there, died after the second non-vaccine. And there were also those I heard that got COVID that had the vaccine and died. And this is another one. This is a helpful thing, okay? This is uh, from someone who wants to be remain anonymous because she doesn't, she's trying to give us advice. I got some hydroxychloroquine from my dentist. Uh, they can write prescriptions too. And so uh, she's saying uh, you t- try that with your dentist. And then if you know a pharmacist, some pharmacist, which was somebody that she found was willing to give her hydroxychloroquine, um, because of her, because of the plea that she made, and so she just suggests that it sounds like a great suggestion to me. This is um, from. Um, I just have to make choices here, you guys. These are all so good. This is from Diane. She says, "I'm, um, I am 68. I worked in the medical field, most mostly hospice care, for the past 30 years. I recently let my nursing license lapse due to the fact." I won't be allowed to work with patients or even volunteer in units because I am not taking the so-called vaccine. And then she says she thinks that her um, sister passed away recently due to the vaccine. Um, She had survived COVID last year and was doing well and had gone back to work and was busy doing God's work with her staff. And then a couple of months following her vaccine, she suddenly began having trouble breathing. Uh, Anyway, she gives more description and she talks about how her heart was broken uh, she was devastated, and uh, she died of pulmonary embolism. And she said, I remember I had heard that there had been many cases of people throwing pulmonary embolisms, throwing, but I, I don't know if that's the right word, but uh, after receiving the vaccine, especially if they had already survived the virus. This horrible tragedy in my life has given me even more reason not to take the fake vaccine. I only wish I had understood enough about what the vaccine actually is and does so I can take my arsenal of information to share the truth with my friends and coworkers that continue to condemn me and others. All right, I, uh, I'm not prepared to give you a list. I, I have given out lots of information, as you know. Pen and paper, please, always. Uh, I just think what comes to my mind is FLCCC. That's Frontline Critical Care, uh, whatever the other C stands for. And uh, this particular website is a place that one of the things on there says, how, to get, how can I get ivermectin? That's on there. I don't. I guess I think it's still there, uh, but they give they give you lots of scientific studies on ivermectin and on other things, and I'm assuming on some of the stuff that you need. So that's one outlet. Uh, someone else, um, let's see, sent an, another suggestion. Oh dearie, let's see. Oh, uh, this uh, this is from uh, Mary, and she says there is a website called c19vaxreactions.com. C19 vaxreactions.com that has a lot of uh, stories about vaccine reaction stories. I remember, so remember that one. Uh, remember uh, yesterday I told you about the ABC uh, television station in Detroit that posed a question on their Facebook page. Can you do any, have any of you lost a loved one or someone been injured or, or you know, from COVID, having COVID and they're struggling or you've lost them? Can you tell us their story and your story and what they expected, of course, to hear, was to hear lots of stories to use against, I'm sure, the unvaccinated. But what they got was 80,000, 80,000, 80,000 responses. 
And the majority of them were telling ABC Detroit that they had lost people and had people in their lives who had been fully vaccinated uh, and, and they got COVID and were and died of either died or got terrible side effects. You know, I did I mention to you that Eric Clapton, the famous guitarist, I think I did yesterday, uh, has this great video. We should play it, except he's, his language is pretty salty, but he, he lost the use of his hands after the vaccine. And so, um, uh, you know, here's the thing. We know that people are have been injured from the COVID virus. They've gone through terrible. My husband, as you well know, most of you do, uh, nearly lost his life about six weeks ago, maybe two months, uh, because he got pneumonia on both both sides, uh, and it was just horrendous. But we got treatment, and this is the thing that is just so insidious. There is treatment for COVID. There is effective treatment. And for whatever reason, like the monoclonal antibodies, if you didn't believe it before, why would the Biden administration try to try to make it hard to get that effective treatment? Why would they do that? People are getting helped. Certainly people in Florida are getting helped. And now I hear, understand other governors are following Ronda Santa's idea. And people are getting helped. If they get it within 10 days, they're getting effective treatment. And as I said, as I said I've heard people tell me personally, multiple people, that they were, they were I, I don't want I be careful with the words, but that they recovered quickly. And now they're going to remove that treatment? And they want to tell you that hydroxychloroquine is dangerous after it's been legalized for 70 years? They've even given it to pregnant women for decades? And they want to tell you that ivermectin is a terrible drug when it won the Nobel Peace Prize. It was called a miracle drug. Why are they doing this? Your common sense has to tell you that something's not right here. Something is not right. And so... um, I don't know. You have to make your own decision about whether you're going to take the vaccine, which risks you're willing to take. But I have to tell you the other side of the story because no one, hardly anyone else is. You have to work to find out what I believe is very profound and frightening information about the effects of the vaccine. And so uh, we'll continue to do that as long as God allows us. All right, Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.